Welcome to God is Open. I'm your host, Christopher Fisher. Today on God is Open, we are going to be analyzing a prayer. And this is a prayer by Thomas Ord, Dr. Ord. And uh, he's a professor, he is an open theist, and he espouses a doctrine called essential kenosis in which God cannot, cannot act to prevent evil. And what do you give up if uh, God is all loving? Why is there evil? Um, what he gives up is omnipotence, the ability to affect things. He believes that God cannot act coercively. He cannot coerce an outcome. And therefore, evil exists because God cannot prevent it. But his prayer is interesting. His prayer is interesting for multiple reasons. He is an open theist. This is an open theist prayer. And I think it highlights a couple of my pet peeves with how prayer is structured, but there is a lot of good here. One great thing about this prayer is this is a prayer for President Trump. Now, Thomas Ord is an ideological opponent of President Trump. So what we see here is a template of how to pray for one's ideological enemies, for, for lack of a better term. And it, it seems fairly gracious. Thomas Ord is a really nice guy, and uh, he he seems not to have uh, hate in his soul. So he's he's legitimately trying to pray for those who he disagrees with on an ideological level. So I think that is very good in that respect. Here is what he writes: Our loving God. Just as a great title, our loving Father, our loving God. Uh, Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Those those are great openings. You're addressing God. You're talking to God. You're calling him loving. You're giving him adjectives that describe him. Uh, you see that throughout the Bible, adjectives attached to God's name, adjectives of praise, adjectives of admiration. I pray for President Donald Trump, Milana, Milana, Milana Trump, their family, advisors, and associates. As you know, the Trumps say that they've tested positive for COVID-19. Right here, it gets into a little bit of exposition. It's <laughs> We'll talk about exposition a little bit later, but it's like it, he's preferencing this with, as you know, the Trumps say they tested positive for COVID-19. It seems like this might be more directed to the audience than to God. You know the accuracy of this announcement because, you know, there's there's rumors on Facebook going around that it's, it's all fabricated. So that's pretty funny. This is a phrase as, as if those are valid rumors. And the full extent of their illness. I offer this prayer assuming they have the virus. <laughs> uh, so that that is that is funny. Uh, I, I guess I guess this, it could be fabricated and uh, I'm, I'm not sure that we have to add disclaimers to our prayers to God. Um, I, I don't, I'm not sure that's totally necessary. You love everyone and everything because you want good of all. So here's where we get into exposition. It starts to feel unnatural as a prayer. So think about if you're watching a movie and you have uh, various characters in dialogue, maybe they're old friends that know each other really well, and then the dialogue goes into some sort of thing that happened that they both should be aware of, but they're explaining for the sake of the audience. That's that's what this sounds like, where you're breaking char character dialogue, what normally would flow, 
for sake of a third party who's listening in. It's it's like when pastors are praying from the pulpit and it just turns into an extension of their sermon. They start praying to the audience. They're giving the audience information, what the audience should do and think. And it's not actually a conversation with God. And I did point this out to Dr. Ord, and he stated that part of this prayer is he's the third party. He's telling himself about his own theology. So some of it is self-reflective. And and that's understandable. And uh, if you want to do that for your own benefit in your prayer, it's, it's okay, but it, it does feel unnatural. It's not something I would suggest for prayers is to just reinforce your own theology in your interaction with God. I would hope that people treat God as a equal, if not greater, partner in the conversation and not uh, condescend to God or, or speak in terms in which you are condescending by virtue of the fact that uh, it's it's exposition that you're trying to explain all sorts of things to God that God would already know in in the frame of this conversation. You love those who live most virtuous lives. So again, it sounds like he's he's trying to reach out to an audience to teach the audience something about God rather than having a conversation with God. Well, we we could be praising God. God, you are love. Uh, I love that you are love. I praise you for your love and your adoration and the great things that you bestow on this world. And uh, you, you could extol praises like that. And it's more natural than just describing characteristics of God in a, care, a conversation to God. You seek to promote the well-being of everyone and everything, including those who, like me, sometimes sin and do evil. So there's there's some humility that uh, Thomas Ord is showing here. And humility is a good thing, especially when we're approaching controversial topics, when we're approaching God, when we're framing others. Framing, meaning that we're putting them in a frame, that we are. he's praying for his ideological enemies. And so uh, he's framing them as sinners just like himself this is a very humble and uh humble move that shows great humility and uh generosity very very much a very generous prayer for his ideological opponents i am grateful for your love yeah yeah yes yes i believe you want to heal everyone including the president you're not causing or allowing the pandemic right here we get into what looks at like more exposition it's who are you saying to the who are you saying this to and for what purpose are you saying that you don't desire evil illness and death are not your punishment but you can face forces factors actors and circumstances resisting your healing efforts you can't heal singly <laughs> you can't heal single-handedly so not all that occurs is your will again there's this interesting bouncing back and forth for the sake of exposition, exposition to a third party, or self-reflective to Mr. Ord, Thomas Ord, Dr. Ord, and uh, the praises to God. I would, if I was in a conversation with God, if I'm praying, this is my advice, is that we talk to God and address him like the, a person that we're interacting with. We're seeking, this is a petitionary prayer, we're seeking to gain favor with God in some respect. So after this, I think a good thing to do would be to pull up one of King David's prayers and see in what way he addresses God and the structure of his prayer. 
and how that flows. You are not in control because you're not a controlling God. Again, this is his theology, essential kenosis, and it, it is exposition again. He's, he's uh, preaching to the audience. You love President Trump, his family, and associates. That's part of what it means to love everyone. But I don't think you like all they do and how they act. You're disappointed, angry, sad, frustrated by attitudes, actions, and policies contrary to the way of love. And we've witnessed those we've witnessed those contrary ways in recent years. So this is uh, preaching to an audience again. Uh, he's uh, he, uh, it's interesting that this is published on a public space and invited for feedback. A lot of people would agree with his assessments here. Some some wouldn't, and so controversial. But it, again, it's in a generous spirit, which I I very much appreciate. Just not the exposition nature of this. You're urging the president to be wise, humble, and loving. You call his family and associates to the same. They don't always respond well, but you never give up. Well, you could be like, uh, if you want to turn something from exposition to praise, you could actually just turn it to praise. It's like, I, I praise you, God, for your continual efforts in trying to teach humble, um, to, uh, to lift up, to exalt, the president, right? Even if you don't like Trump or don't do like Trump, the language still works. I appreciate God, your efforts. I praise you for your efforts to reach the lost, to reach those who might not know you, to reach those so that they could turn to you, God. Then you turn your exposition from exposition. This is what you do to God into something where I'm praising you because you do this. My prayer then is not that you start loving or begin to try to heal. You always love and want to heal. I don't think you've given him the virus to teach the present a lesson. Yeah, again, exposition for the sake of the audience. Um, if God, God probably knows that about Thomas Orr, that that's not something he believes. And that's probably like a mini sermon for the audience to teach the audience the theology that Thomas Orr holds in in his relationship with god not not useful dialogue you try to teach us in whatever circumstances good or bad you try to squeeze good from the bad you didn't want in the first place it kind of reminds me of uh, augustine's the confessions where he has this talk to god and he just talks about god to god and god is the subject uh, it's, it's very awkwardly worded if you read the confessions because God is always the dressee. It's like a book written to God. And it, it in the same way, it doesn't make as much uh, fluid sense as uh, uh, actual prayer would because it's more of expedition, exposition for the sake of the audience. Instead, I'm asking you to give me wisdom on how I might cooperate with you on what you've already done. I love this about Thomas Ord. I love that he is always looking to grow and learn, and he's he always asks for outside perspectives. He's always interested and open. He's high in openness. I think he took that personality test when we we're doing the Big Five, and that was one of the things he he's high in openness. My my assumption is that open theists in the personality test would score high in openness, and openness means that you're open to new experiences. You're not close down like, oh, I just want to stay in my house all day and never go out and uh, learn new things and see new experiences and taste new foods. Uh, I, I would assume, this is my guess, this is my prediction, that open theists would in fact be 
higher, trending higher in openness, more so than the average individual. So Thomas Ord embodies that to a full extent. He's always posting pictures of his uh, commune with nature where he's taking pictures of buffaloes and and uh, ruins in the middle of Idaho and the wildernesses and stuff like that. Just beautiful, beautiful pictures. And he incorporated that into one of his uh, sermons that I did did get to hear him preach in person. And that was that was definitely a privilege. He says, provide me insights in how I might talk, resist, promote, encourage, criticize, show compassion, and more. Again, just beautiful, beautiful. Inspire my imagination to love in ways that forgive, create, and seek justice. I pledge my loving cooperation. All of this is great. We could pray for God to embolden us, to encourage us, to help us, to make us grow, uh, grow in love, especially, and, and adopt. Uh, one of my constant prayers for my, my kids is that uh, God conforms them to his image. That's that's the biblical language that we become be conformed to the image of God. And I think that is that should be part of our daily prayers for our children, at least. I'm not as wise as I would like to be. I don't love as consistently as I want. I need your help. Again, great, great, great petitionary prayer here. Help me to encourage the president and others in whatever ways I can. Help me to condemn the president when he speaks or acts contrary to the common good. Yeah, if the president is sinning, if the president sins, we should condemn sin. And give me wisdom to discern the two. <laughs> This is uh, like a King Solomon prayer. Give me wisdom, Lord. I did King Solomon, wisest king, not not necessarily using that wisdom always for the best, for good, but uh, that was a godly prayer to ask for wisdom. You want healthy leaders, healthy countries. Again, we're back to the expo exposition. You want healthy leaders, healthy countries, and healthy world. You love this land and these people just as you love all lands and all people. Help me do the same. And so he, he turned it from exposition into a petition, which that was a good pivot. And it kind of negates the expositionary nature of the first thing. He's saying, this is how you are. Help me be like that. And in that way, he, he salvages us. He's not talking to a third party anymore. So that, that's nice. I love you, God, and I adore you. This, this is beautiful. I praise you for your excellence. You are amazing. I also thank you for your love, wisdom, and guidance. I am grateful. Your friend and partner, Tom. So overall, I think this is a very good template prayer for how we pray for those who we might not be aligned with in an intellectual sense. It's it's very gracious. It's very loving. It's very uh, non-coercive. It's a uh, it's non-toxic in a very toxic world that we live in. So I, I do think this is a great template. But uh, there is there is some what I see as problems. But Thomas Ord, he states that it's for his own sake. He's, he's doing some self-affirmation of his theology. And that's not necessarily bad. Uh, individuals, human beings, uh, create their own environment. And what I mean by that is the people who go around saying things like, like, oh, woe is me, everything always uh, it hurts me, and I'm unlucky at life. I think there's studies where people who think themselves lucky and people who think themselves unlucky, they, they look at the same situation, and the first guy says, oh, that anvil didn't fall on my head. Wow, I'm so lucky. And the second person says, oh, that anvil uh, almost fell on my head. Oh, just my luck to almost die here. 
And uh, the people who create these negative outlooks for their life, because it's a mental state of mind, they create a world in which they are a failure through outside influences. So when, when you start talking in a consistent manner and reaffirming your commitment to love, let's say, your commitment to manliness, your commitment to confidence, your commitment to a good world. You wake up every day and say, this is a great day to be alive. You tell yourself that, <laughs> let's say a year, every day, every day when you wake up and you say that, you will believe that. So we create our own social spheres. We create our own our own uh, worldview. That reality doesn't necessarily conform to our worldview, but people with confidence, people with a healthy outlook on life do succeed better. You can, you can mentally affect yourself into a different frame of mind. And that's what he's doing here. He's helping reaffirm his own theology, right or wrong. Um, right or wrong if his theology is right or wrong, but it is a good strategy for convincing yourself of a truth of something it's a mental trick that really works. Self, self-help self gurus always always talk about this, this state of mind. I, <laughs> one, one individual I was talking to, very successful individual, he said, uh, fake it until you make it. And what he meant by that was in dealing with other people, he was, he was talking to actually a larger group of people. And he's talking about uh, the problem that people have not being able to relate and understand the pain and suffering of others, to how to empathize or sympathize with others' plights. And, and people are asking him advice, how to deal with that. And he said, fake it until you make it. You can uh, pretend to care about other people's problems so long that you start to actually care about their problems. You control your own mindset. You can put yourself in that mindset to achieve those things. All right, so let's flip over to King David, and let's go find one where he's bargaining with God. All right, here is one psalm in which King David does talk about his bargaining with God. God is a God who loves people. He loves interaction. He made mankind for our love relationship. Psalm 31, a psalm of David, a song at the dedication of the temple. I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. He's praising God for God's actions. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. He's called out to God and God's responded. He's praising God for God's response to his calls for help. And, you know, the Calvinists, they're always say, say things like, oh, prayer's not for us. Or, or they say prayer's not for God. Uh, but prayers for us. Prayer changes us, not God. That's not true in King David's theology. In King David's theology, his prayers, his petitionary prayers, have purpose. And we see that in how he prays, too, because in this psalm, he talks about bargains that he has made with God. God doesn't hold all the cards, as Walter Bergerman writes in his message of the Psalms. King David has some cards of his own, something that he brings to the table that can benefit God. God can gain value from outside himself. Another no-no in Calvinism. O Lord, you have brought my soul up from Sheol, the grave. You restored me to life from among those who go down to the pit. The people who die go down to the pit. Sing praises to the Lord, O you, his saints, and give thanks to his holy name. So praises, adorations, uh, commending God for things that God has done, praising God for past acts. That's a fairly common thing that we see in prayers. 
For his anger is but for a moment, and his favor is for a lifetime. So King David believes that God has fierce emotions. And God has anger, and uh, the anger is being downplayed because uh, the favor is what King David likes and rejoices in. And uh, he understands that sometimes he does uh, misstep, he does screw up, and God will be angry at him. And he's thanking God for this anger subsiding fairly quickly because God's emotions, of course, we know from the Bible, affect God's actions. The, the prophets always say, don't punish me in your anger, just wait and cool down and then make a more level-headed punishment. And King David is of this mindset. He says, your anger is but for a moment, but your favor is for a lifetime. So although God might have uh, flare-ups against King David and things that King David does, uh, overall, Overall, he is a God of love. In King David's mind, weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. But by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. As for me, I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. And so he's talking about, I used to be not very humble. I was very, I was very assured of myself. But by your favor, O Lord, you made my mountain stand strong. You hid your face, I was dismayed. So God was the one who set King David up. And then God rejected him. God turned his face as the language of this psalm states. And in, in King David's psalms, he often talks about God's rejection or God's non-intervention in his life as God hiding his face. And then your face turns to me. That's when God does show that favor. To you, O Lord, I cry, and to the Lord I plead for mercy. And here's like the quote section. This is what he pleaded to God. What profit is there in my death if I go down to the pit? Will the dust praise you? Will it tell of your faithfulness? So he's saying, my prayer to you when you were turning your face from me was, please keep me from death. Why? Because I will praise you. If I'm dead, I can't praise you. Therefore, you have a vested interest in keeping me alive. He is bargaining with God. Bargaining with God is a valid prayer strategy throughout the Bible. God doesn't have all the cards. God can gain benefit from his creation. God, of course, made creation for some benefit to himself. There is a mutual relationship going on here. Give and take, as, as described here. He's, he's saying, God, my death would be pointless. I would, I'm better to you alive. Hear, O Lord, and be merciful to me, O Lord. Be my helper. You have turned for me my mourning into dancing. You have loosened my sackcloth and clothed me with gladness, that my glory may sing your praise and not be silent. O Lord, my God, I will give thanks to you forever. Notice all the personal pronouns here. Me, I, uh, even even you, you know. Uh, it's, he's, it's a very personal prayer about what God has done even if God sometimes turns his face for a while, God still gets praise when God comes back to King David. King David loves God. Through thick and thin, King David loves God, even if God will abandon him at times. And he, this is the relationship that he ex exclaims here. And he praises God for God's actions. He gives him glowing praise, adoration. Uh, you, you, feel, you feel just reading this. His love for God flowing forth. This is why in the Bible, 
King David is described as a man after God's own heart. His intense emotions. God has intense emotions too. And sometimes when two people with intense emotions, uh, when they both have intense emotions, they sometimes don't jive very well together. And we do see some conflict within the life of King David and God. As, as, as stated in this psalm, sometimes there is interpersonal conflict in any relationship, even in a relationship with God. But look at the love, look at the, the gratefulness, look at the, the praise. When was the last time someone praised you for something you've done? Specifically, not just like, a, oh, thanks. Um, one thing in uh, the book, how, how to Win Friends and Influence People, it talks about is when you're, uh, it might be that book, it might be a different book, but when you're thanking people for things, it, pointing out specifically the things that they did that you're thankful for is more in, impactful than just a simple thank you. Because it tells them that you're really thinking about this and you really mean your thanks. And uh, you're impressing on the other people, you're signaling to them uh, your heightened level of thanks more than they're normally used to. So that's what I, I try to do when, a, when I am thanking people is, point out the things that I am thanking them for, even restating them to that person uh, because it's just just a more personal detail. And we see that come across in this psalm. And so uh, comparing these two, I like very much that that Dr. Ord uses a lot of the same personal pronouns, the the man-centered prayer as the Calvinists would criticize. This, this is what King David was all about, the, the man-centered prayer in which God is being uh, petitioned on an individual level. Uh, what's being talked about is a personal relationship with God, a uh, back and forth, my emotions, God's emotions, our inner relationship that is being highlighted quite distinctly in this. It's not just like a, oh, please bless America. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's, it's, it's personal. This is a very personal prayer. And we do see that come across in Dr. Ord's prayer as well. So anyways, any questions and comments, put that down below. I think this is a good exercise in just basic prayer templating, things to think about in uh, our conversations with God and even our conversations with others, human-to-human -human, uh, intercommunication. Very interesting subject. Thank you for listening.